The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. How about five wins in a row for the boys in blue who climbed two games over 500 and move within a game and a half of Detroit for first place in the AL Central, which seems like the wild, wild west these days. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. It's your dish for game one against the White Sox. As yes, the Royals emerge victorious 7-2, to moving to 34-32 and on the year, 8-3. and in the month of June, I might add the best in the league at eight and three as we are a little bit over a third of the way through the month of June. And what a nice win for the Royals tonight. It was a game that pretty much was won before Jeremy Guthrie even threw a pitch tonight. The Royals, yeah, they won this game in very, you know, two simple ways. Let's go over this real quick here. Number one, and first and foremost, they took the least and made it into the most. Now, they did hit a round in the first inning and in route to scoring five runs, and that was you know a good portion of their runs for the night. Five of their seven came in that top of the first before Jay Guts even uncorked a pitch. But while they had six hits in that first inning and route to five runs, only two were for extra bases. You might say, well, two is pretty good for one inning. True, but for five runs, normally you'll have more than two extra base hits and no walks in that inning either. But give the Royals huge credit. Six hits in that first inning, including two doubles by Alex Gordon and Lorenzo Cain to kind of you know, get the Royals their five runs and give them a little breathing room. Those were kind of the exclamation points in that inning, those extra base hits by A.G. and Locaine. Five runs, you know, a couple of them were seeing-eye singles, but like I said, it doesn't matter. The Royals made the most of the least because after that, Carlos Quintana really settled down and pitched a decent game. He only yielded one more run to the Royals during his six innings, but of course all day long will take six runs and six innings and 110 pitches for the opposing pitcher. So great job by the Royals against Quintana, who coming into this year doesn't have a career win against the Royals, but I think has pitched a lot better than that record indicates. As we both know, wins and losses for a pitcher is one of the most underrated and pointless stats in existence. We'll talk more about that later as we talk about Jeremy Guthrie's line for the year. But yeah, big offensive nights tonight for several Royals. First of all, Omar Infante, Good to see him have three hits for the Royals. Need to get him going at the top of that lineup. Not too worried about him, as most Royals fans aren't, judging by the fact that hardly anybody has even mentioned Omar Infante, who's been in a slump for really since he came back off the DL. But Billy Butler also pitched in two hits, two RBIs. Billy Butler is starting to look like the old Billy Butler. You know, we'd like to see some home runs out of him. Hopefully those will come soon. He's had, gosh, six to eight balls die at the warning track. You know, a good three to four steps in front of the fence this year. You just love to see him get three or four more of those, you know, over the fence. But hopefully some home runs will come for Billy Butler. But good night for him. He's hitting the ball a lot better with authority. Eric Hosmer, give him some credit. Same for him. He's starting to hit home runs now. He had a hit. Most importantly, two walks tonight. I love seeing the walks along with two RBIs for Eric, including a nice sack fly there. In the second inning, when he had two strikes on him, he got on top of a ball that was way up, was able to hit that ball to fairly medium-deep center to drive in the sixth Royals run. That was a big run at the time as the White Sox came back and made it 5-1. to one. You get that run right back there on the top of the second by Eric Cosmer. That was a nice at-bat. So I was impressed with him tonight. The two walks means he's starting to see the ball a little bit better. He's starting to look like he has a plan when he goes up there instead of hacking at everything and you know trying to guess. that Those days seem to be behind Eric Cosmer. Knock on wood. And Lorenzo Cain, he had that big hit and two RBIs like we talked about. Everybody in this lineup except for Mike Moustakis did have a hit 
for Kansas City, but Moose also did score up a, a nice hanging curveball to the warning track. You know, he was out, I'm aware, but it was at least good to see him hit the ball with authority once tonight on a mistake pitch against the lefty. But besides the offense, which obviously is probably the biggest exclamation point tonight, how about Jeremy Guthrie tonight? Jeremy Guthrie in those first two innings, you wanted to pull your hair out, didn't you, for a while? Because obviously he was struggling. He was at, what, 53 pitches through two innings? You know, let the leadoff hitter get on base the first three innings. When you've got a big lead, obviously that's the last thing you want to do, especially against the White Sox, who came back from a 5 nothing, you know, deficit with the Royals just last month in a game that Scott Carroll pitched. So it all seemed kind of like, oh, no. You know, the Royals get five in the first. You see Scott Carroll warming up. You're like, oh, no, we give away a you know, run right away in that first inning, and they're coming back here in the second. But that would be it. Jeremy Guthrie, I think it's his most impressive outing of the year. Wasn't his best stuff at all. I mean, he just absolutely battled. A gutty performance for Guthrie. I sound like a journalist right now. Five and two-thirds, two runs, six hits. He did walk four. Didn't have his normal command out there, but he struck out nine, which came with a strikeout of tying his career high. Four times he struck out ten hitters in the major leagues. I believe all were with Baltimore. Came with another strikeout there of doing that tonight. I was hoping like heck he would get that. Would have been really cool to see Jay Guts get ten, but... Come on, you got to give him big props tonight. The guy just battled and battled. That's what a professional is. And I hope, you know, it's good to have people talk about James Shields all the time, as they should. He's, you know, he's definitely been the ace of the staff since coming over. He's definitely helped stabilize things, and he's definitely created a certain air of competitiveness and, and such with the other pitchers, especially the younger ones. But even give Jason Vargas and Jeremy Guthrie a lot of credit because guys like Danny Duffy and Jordano Ventura, you know, they, they've got to see Jeremy Guthrie going out there with, you know, stuff not as good as theirs at this point. And on this particular night, Guthrie had no command. He just could not hit his spots in those first couple innings. But he found a way to get through it. Those first two innings when he was shaky, was able to find a way. He's a veteran, kind of just sat in there and said, okay, if I give up a run or two here, I'm going to. But, you know, he found a way to strike some guys out, get out of it, and then settle down and pitched a hell of a game tonight for the Royals. So I think it's great to have guys like Danny Duffy and Jordan Ventura be around guys like Jeremy Guthrie and Vargas in addition to James Shields is one thing we don't hear too much about. But Jay Guts now has a 4.04 ERA, doing the job. He's 3-6, and six, but as we talked about earlier, that win-loss stat is just whatever, blah, blah, blah. 4.04, the way Guthrie's been throwing the last five, six starts in the majority of this year, he should easily have six wins by now. Should be the opposite way around with, the, you know, with his record. But nice job by Jeremy Guthrie tonight. Also, let's give some credit to a couple guys in the bullpen in particular. Aaron Crow coming in and bailing out Jeremy Guthrie so that he did only give up two runs. One pitch, one out to get the Royals out of that, you know, two runners on there in the bottom of the six. Crow took one pitch to pop out the, the hitter, get him out of the inning there. And how about Francisley Bueno since coming back? He looks awesome. He's just been so good since he came over to the Royals. Every stint he's been up and down. I believe he's been up and down four times to the minor leagues going back to last year. But a 1-2-3, sharp-looking seventh. He got the two lefties with ease. You know, a nice strikeout in there, getting Adam done. I love seeing him drop down a few times, and I, I think three of the four times he dropped down were strikes also. That's a new wrinkle we hadn't seen. So, Francis Lee Bueno, could, could he become a loogie and a, and a pretty effective sixth, seventh, eighth inning guy in the major leagues? I think he could. Sure, he's, what, 32 now? So, you know, but a lot of guys that are kind of crafty lefties can, you know, guys like Brian Schaus or Jamie Walker or Tony Fossis or Rick Honeycutt. You go back to some of these crafty lefties that didn't really hit their stride as relievers till their 30s and hung around a while. So, I, I, you know, I'd like to see Bueno out of the Royals' pen the next three or four years because Tim Collins appears he's getting down to his last year at the Royals. He's never really been effective against the lefties. Reverse splits some of the time. 
through decent stretches. So Francesco Bueno in there as a lefty is a nice possibility at the league minimum or you know pre-arbitration for the next couple of years for the Royals and perhaps a nice little future career ahead for Bueno. So that was good to see. Calvin Herrera, sharp, one, two, three in the eighth with a K. And like we talked about, Tim Collins, inauspicious, not sharp in the ninth. But what else is new? It's been the majority of his outings this year. He was able, to his credit, to throw a scoreless inning. That's the most important thing is the zero. So let's not be too harsh on Tim Collins. But gosh, wouldn't it be nice to see the Royals, when they have a four or five run lead, not have to get Greg Holland up? Four of the last five times they've had a four or five run lead. Greg Holland ends up having to, you know, get up in the pen. Normally, he doesn't have to come in. The Royals hitters seem to always wiggle out of it before they have to go and get him. And I think I've said wiggle about four times during this, you know, this clubhouse conversation. So I'll, I'll work on not saying wiggle anymore. My apologies on that. I'm catching myself with that. Kind of a crutch there, we call it in radio. But, yeah, Collins he threw up the zero, but I don't know. Allowed a hit, a walk, which was the most infuriating thing. You get the 9-1-2 hitters coming up. You're up by five, and you give up a little bloop and a walk. It's like, come on, Tim. Took 24 pitches to get him out of that scoreless night. So that's you know that's a small thing. That's not a huge thing. A lot of teams have Tim Collins as their seventh inning guy. For the Royals, he's kind of hidden as their fifth option out of the bullpen, and maybe even lower now that you've got Francis Bueno and who knows what they'll do with Donnie Joseph. Uh, one other thing tonight to talk about, uh, Alcides Escobar. Extended his hitting streak to 11 games in his last A-B with that double down the left field line, but then left in the top of the eighth. A lot of Royals fans were fearing the worst. No big deal. It sounds as if it's just cramps. I thought maybe it was a sore calf, but cramps, whatever. Cramps is better than a sore calf. I don't know. Should we give him a day off tomorrow? He hasn't had a day off all year. Um, you know, I know they had a day off yesterday, but you want him, you want him well going into Detroit and going in with Shields on Sunday. Sunday's a must-win. We'll talk about that here in a second, but the Royals have to win Sunday because it's a huge advantage, you know. So I don't know. We'll see. Do you do you rest uh, Salvi day game after a night game? We've seen Brett Hayes catch Danny Duffy a couple times. I don't know. Depends. I don't think you can afford to have both Escobar and Perez out of the lineup. You need to win tomorrow. You really, got to win both of these next two games. We'll talk about it. And I, I hate to say we have to sweep a team because we'll take two out of three. If we take two out of three, I'm not disappointed. But really, at this point, after you win tonight, tonight was the one game in this series where the Royals were facing a 50-50 game or maybe even slight dogs. I forgot to look at the Vegas line tonight, but I would imagine it was pretty even tonight. Maybe minus 110, minus 110. Um, you know, it was, it, the pitching matchup probably slightly favored the White Sox tonight, although Guthrie has been phenomenal in his career against the White Sox. But the Royals were able to win tonight. That was big because now you have the big advantage the next two days, especially on Sunday. So let's go over that. The lineup tomorrow depends. If, if I'm managing, I'm playing one backup tomorrow, either – Pedro Siriaco for Escobar if Alcides isn't 98% tomorrow. Or if Alcides plays, I'll, I'll throw in Brett Hayes. But if Alcides doesn't play, I'm catching Salvi tomorrow. You can't afford to have two bats out of the lineup. You can afford one, not two. But tomorrow, Danny Duffy against Hector Noesi. He's a righty. He's 2-4 and four with a 5-4-0 ERA. Win the game tomorrow, right? Duffy's been really good lately. And this White Sox lineup is just... They've got some... Decent hitters, a couple good hitters, a couple decent hitters, and a couple hitters who are just awful right now. Unfortunately, I'm sure Tyler Flowers will not be in the lineup tomorrow, day game after a night game, since he's mired in the slump of a century with, what, three more strikeouts against Jeremy Guthrie tonight, and I'd love to see him in there. But, you know, my point being, they don't have a very good lineup, the White Sox. So Danny Duffy, I like him big in a big way tomorrow against Hector. No AC, the righty. And then Sunday, I like it even more. James Shields and Andre Rienzo. Rienzo's pitching for his life in the rotation. Now, I do understand that he had a great game against the Royals earlier this year, although 
pretty much probably any pitcher with a heartbeat could have shut down the Royals' offense the way it was at the time that they faced Rianzo the first time. So he is also 2-1 and one with a 3-0 ERA lifetime against KC. However, has been struggling lately. He's you know 4-3 and three with a 5-2-5 this year against James Shields. Huge advantage. So I would say the Royals have a pretty good advantage tomorrow and a huge advantage on Sunday. You have to split these next two. Have to. And really, let's go ahead and just sweep them, get to seven in a row, go into Detroit over, you know, four over 500, probably a half game back. The way Detroit's playing, they're probably going to split these next two. So a decent chance Detroit splits the next two and the Royals get them, you know, within a half game going into that series. How fun would that be if the Royals are within a game of Detroit with the four game set? How fun would that be? But let's take it one game at a time. Let's get a win tomorrow. I don't know. I'm just excited right now. How can you not be excited? If you're still negative and not buying in right now I guess I understand a little bit based on the last 20 years and based on the fact that yes it's only really over two weeks and just two weeks ago this team was what two and a half weeks ago I guess swept against Houston at home and that was the low point of the year and the season was about to spiral out of control I don't think anybody saw this kind of run coming as much as we wanted it to we saw it last year in the second half I don't know that any of us believed it would happen right now but it has and what a huge credit to the Royals give them some credit we keep hearing people make fun of Ned Yost and make fun of Dayton Moore and give the guy some freaking credit. I mean, this is fun right now. It was fun last year at the end of the year, and I just I feel good right now about the Royals. I, I feel like good things are going to happen, and I feel like if the Royals come out and totally get blown out or have a heartbreaking loss, because they will have a heartbreaking loss soon. Wade Davis and or Greg Holland will blow a game soon. It's a matter of time. They can't, they're not perfect. They're not robots. It's my favorite phrase to say. There will be a couple heartbreaking losses and a couple blowouts here and there, but I still am, am not really worried about that when that happens i'm not going to let it freak me out the royals are playing much better ball and the, the good thing about it is they're actually starting to hit and they're you know they've, they've beaten some decent pitchers during this stretch too they haven't scored six eight ten eleven runs every day but they're starting to hit home runs they're starting to hit more extra base hits they're walking more and they're able to get to guys like michael waka the third time through the order and you know so on and so forth other pitchers they've faced in recent days so the offense is much improved the pitching continues to be better actually than it was the bullpen's gotten definitely better. The back end of it is unhittable right now. And I don't know. I, the Royals are great defensively. The, the one mole the whole season has been the offense, and the offense is starting to kind of come, you know, into its own right now. So it just feels legit right now. It's against the tough well, – maybe not the toughest. Maybe the second toughest part of their schedule this year. Maybe it's the toughest. Depends on how teams finish. they got some t- – I mean, they still got the Dodgers and Mariners coming up in the next homestand, I believe. That's going to be rough and, you know, on, so on and so forth. There's lots of good teams – on the Royal schedule, but it's fun. Let's enjoy it. Let's get a win tomorrow. Duffy against Noacy. We'll have it here for you on clubhouse conversation. And by the way, I hope you've also enjoyed the seven interviews we did with Royals, 2014 draft picks here on clubhouse conversation. Hope you enjoyed the Bobby Knoop interview. Knop, I should say, my gosh, I just said his name wrong. Bobby Knop. Hope you enjoyed that interview. That's been up here on clubhouse conversation. Very, very fascinating man in the angels hall of fame played for the Royals in 71 and 72. Do yourself a favor. I know you don't have time to sit around, for 30, 40 minutes of time and listen to these, download them on your iPod. Take them with you. You can subscribe on iTunes or download them to your computer or tablet, whatever, from the side as well. Take them with you when you're when you're driving, when you're flying, when you're you know bored at work, whatever. Take these interviews with you and listen to them. They're great. It's so cool hearing from these guys and hearing them tell the story. And as always, spread the word. And thanks for listening to Clubhouse Conversation. We'll be back with you again tomorrow, hopefully talking about win number six in a row for the boys in blue. Good night.